You don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. know the show you're listening to rail of sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix living like it matters it's a beautiful day in the valley it always is and again i am joined i'm blessed to be joined by a friend uh, of mine and who's going to be a who is a friend now of voice america sports and that is uh coach carl hargrave coach how you doing this morning this oh, afternoon it's afternoon it now. is afternoon <laughs> and it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood i tell you what it's uh it's great to be here and uh again excited to be back on your show and uh, we can share some good uh good moments here yeah well I, I look forward to it there's a lot going on you know there's a lot going on and and all sports and baseball and and, and basketball uh, you know things going on in football. You know, and and, and there's some things we're going we're going to touch on a couple of different things. Of course, we're going to touch on uh, what's happening in the National Football League with the uh, with the union and the collective bargaining agreement and the owners not able to get things together. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, some things that are happening off the field with some former players, a former teammate of mine. Uh, Art Sleister mm. has got himself in trouble again. But, but Coach, let me just – I said we were going to talk about some other things um, outside of football. But just from a coaching perspective, I know that, of course, when you were coaching in the National Football League, of course, uh, coaching with the Minnesota Vikings as well as the Arizona Cardinals and probably a couple other teams I may have missed. But how nerve-wracking could it be? Here it is, the Denver Broncos are playing basketball in the middle of the season, about to go to all-star break. And this is not just, you know – a player on the team. This is your franchise player. How hard would it be for you to think about if you had your number one running back in the backfield in the middle of the season, you're trying to make a playoff run, and they're talking about not trading him next year, but maybe next week. How frustrating could that possibly be for a coach? I don't care what sport it is. Tell us, how could that, that that's got to be frustrating. Yeah, that's frustrating. You know, that's your, your, your key guy that's out there, and he's, you know, he's trying to get traded, and all the conversations about the trade, nothing about the team where you're at. You know, we always try to, you know, you want to be the best player, coach, uh, participant, where you're at. And right now, you know, mellow <laughs> is not so mellow. No, <laughs> he, he can't be. And so when you go in and you're doing your best coaching job, you possibly can. I mean, you, you're coaching a position with the understanding you're going to be able to count on that person for the rest of the season. 
in Melo's perspective, as you coach him, you're thinking, okay, this is the guy I'm going to have tonight. Right. I may not have this guy tomorrow. So do you start coaching a backup player? What do you, how do you approach that? Well, I think one thing uh, with, the, with the NBA, they've got such a long season. You know, they're going into the All-Star break right now, and, and still there's 45 more games. And so, again, he wants to position himself to uh, uh, create an environment around the team. Okay, that we've got mellow now. Let's go with him right now. Let's build up the points, build up the spread, build up the the distance between the other teams in our league if we can. And that's hard for them to do because they've got L.A. They've got a number of different teams that are uh, Utah and the whole bit that are right there in that in their in their conference. Well, let's look at it from uh, the the other side of the coin, if you will, and that is those teams that are possibly interested in and and mellow has expressed an interest that he would like to play ball in New York. Now, if you're in New York and you get a chance to pull the trigger, if you know you're going to get this player, if it's about winning and team chemistry, wouldn't you want to try to get him as early as you can? Why, why would you? Why would they wait and, and then get him later when they, they say, well, you know, there's really no competition. He wants to come and play for us. We're the only people really in, in the bidding for him, although, you know, talk is the Lakers could sneak up in there. But – if you're a coach, again, you want to create some type of team chemistry, regardless of what it is. If it's more than one person participating, you know, most of the time, you know, even track, you could be a relay team. But certainly, you know, these other sports, basketball, football, it's team hockey, it's team chemistry. Wouldn't you want to get him there in New York as soon as you could? Well, and I think they do. I think the holdup is on the, on Denver's side. I think Denver's trying to say, hey, wait a minute, we'll keep him as long as we can. We'll shop him as long as we can. And then we're going to get the best deal down the road. That's the interesting and, point, see, because everybody else is saying that, you know, Denver is asking for too much. But what you're saying is Denver possibly could, okay, ask for as much as we can, knowing it's a ridiculous, you know, ask. But at least it allows us to hold on to Melo, which means we can m- win as many games as we possibly can. Then when it's time to let him go so that we at least get something, we're going to let him go. Sure, exactly. And it, wow. And they'll, they'll try to keep him through the season. Yeah. If they've got a chance, they haven't done it yet. See, they haven't gone to that next level in the playoffs yet. So maybe this is the last time out that they can do that with Melo in, in, in tow. You know? Well, you know, one thing for sure is, is going to happen this weekend. they got the NBA All-Star Game. And, of course, we, we just saw before the Super Bowl, of course, and you and I haven't got a chance to talk about that, but let me just talk about this. Before the Super Bowl, we had, of course, that, that Pro Bowl, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't really a game. <laughs> now, the NBA gets a chance to really have a game. The, the guys, they put on a show, but they, it, it's more of a real game than the game that we put on with. Uh, you know, so going into this game, still as a coach, I'm sure you're concerned. You don't want your players to get hurt. But at least from the fans' perspective, the NBA All-Star game is a lot better than the Pro Bowl that we put on. Oh, exactly. I mean, well, the Pro Bowl tried to be like that because nobody played defense. They tried to break <laughs> fast break f- basketball in the pro on the there football field. Seven on seven. Seven on seven. But uh, yeah, they do that. the The NBA All Star. That's that's one of the premier All Star games because guys can run up and down the field, the, uh, the 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 court. They don't have to play really much defense, but you do get those defensive stands when you need them. Everybody wants to win, and it's good fast break basketball. And uh, you know, back in the day. When they, they didn't they didn't have the crossover, so everybody mm. was able to, to to move that ball around and spin it off their legs and hands and all that good stuff. It, it's it's going to be a, a tremendous uh, event. Well, that's good, coach. You know, I mentioned uh, about the uh, uh, the Pro Bowl, of course. That was uh, 
uh, before the Super Bowl. And that, that's a game that you and I haven't got a, a chance to talk about. But uh, l- let's talk a little bit about that game since you and I didn't get a chance to talk about that game. I know that going into the game, uh, I didn't make my pick on the air with you. <laughs> but I did say that, you know, when it was all said and done, eventually I picked the Steelers. I obviously picked the wrong team. And I don't remember what your pick was, but I'm going to see if you're going to be an honest man <laughs> and share with us who you had and, and what your you know, perspective was the outcome of the game. Well, you know, I, I did pick the Steelers. I did. And, uh, and, but I knew it was going to be a close game. You know, and as I, if you recall, I did mention the team that capitalizes on the mistakes of the other team. You did not say just that. pick up the team, not just uh, you know get the uh, the turnover, but then being able to capitalize on that, and that's exactly what happened there. It was uh, you know the the the, the interception return. Uh, for the touchdown, that was you know they capitalized yes. on that one. That was big, yes. and then also uh, what was it the the fumble, yes. uh, and then they drove down the field and scored a touchdown after that one. So those were two biggest key plays in that game. Uh, a tremendous game to watch. Uh, big Ben just didn't have it in him. It was so reminiscent of the two thousand nine. Uh, Super Bowl when they played the, oh, the yeah, Cardinals when they played the going Cardinals. into that last Here we drive. Go again. That's that right. last drive and and uh, just couldn't quite get it done. Well, Coach, one thing we're going to establish on our show now, we can't use the drive because, you know, I, I get oh, flashbacks yeah. whenever, <laughs> whenever you say the yeah, drive. Okay. But listen, I appreciate that. We don't use that <laughs> word on this show. But listen, we got a guest with us today, and uh, Steve uh, Osler is on the phone with us. Steve is from uh, Boston Sports Bar and Restaurant. I actually met Steve at the Player Network event. And you know the Player Network event is a tremendous opportunity for, for current and former players to get themselves ready for a transition. But, but Steve, you on the line? Yes, sir, Ray. How you doing? I'm doing well. Wonderful. I want to welcome you to the show, of course. We have with me uh, Coach Hargrave, and uh, he, too, would like to welcome you. But, Steve, I just want to ask you, you know, I know you're a football fan. Are you going to be an honest man and tell me who you chose prior to the game? Not be- what bandwagon you jumped on, but who did you choose prior to the game? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think I was the, the same way. I thought, you know, I really thought the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to win. Um, I, was, I was rooting for Green Bay. But uh, I think the Steelers are the Steelers, and you know I just I really thought they were going to come through. Palomalo was going to have a game, and uh, I thought that it was going to be a close game, and I thought I thought they would edge them out. But uh, I was rooting for Green Bay, so it all worked out for the good for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Steve, that that that's kind of uh you know you pick both teams when you put it like that. But of course, being in the business you're in, it's best that you you know kind of stay neutral. Of course, you guys are in the sports bar and restaurant business, and mm-hmm. uh, certainly appreciated seeing you down there at the Player Network event. Tell me, uh, what made you guys decide to come into uh, the Player Network event? What were you looking for, and, and what did you uh, get out of that opportunity there? Yeah, you know, it was just it was in our backyard. We're office here, right here in Dallas, and uh, you know, being right down the street, and uh, you know, having a great opportunity to work with uh, players associated with the NFL. Uh, it was a great opportunity to check in with these guys and uh, see what um, you know, what kind of interest they would have working with uh, Boston's and you know, opening a restaurant. And uh, it's, it was a great, uh, great, great opportunity for us to meet with some guys. Now, uh, is my uh, understanding, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, you guys have a restaurant. I know I'm not mistaken because I've been there on several occasions. You guys have a restaurant right down here in Tempe. Am I correct? Yes, that's right. We're uh, we're right, I believe we're right down the, the street there from you. Yeah, you are. I just wanted to let you. I didn't. I want to. I don't want to brag so much about the <laughs> restaurant, but I've been there, man. You know, great great food, 
That's period. Right. And uh, but the atmosphere, uh, you know, tell people a little about the atmosphere, what they might expect when they, when they come to a, to a Boston's uh, sports bar and restaurant. Yeah, it's, it's a great concept. It's kind of get uh, two concepts under one roof. You get uh, a restaurant on one side and then you also have the sports bar on the other. And they're, uh, they're separated by a glass partition. So you kind of you get the, um, you know, two concepts. You don't really get noise drifting over from the bar on, you know, on the restaurant side. If you want to go in on the and uh, bring your family on the restaurant side, you don't, you don't have to hear all that noise and people shouting, watching the games and such. And then vice versa, you don't really, you know, have to hear, uh, you know, screaming kids coming from over on the restaurant side. So uh, great food, uh, you know, great concept, and uh, it's, uh, it's a fun place to visit. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to throw a loop in here for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let me just ask you, Steve, are you uh, kind of active in the social networks at all? Yeah, you know, we're on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and, uh, you know, I, that's, you know, I, I think the marketing handles a lot of that. But, uh, yeah, they're definitely, uh, they're definitely getting involved with that. <laughs> well, I say that because, I mean, your restaurant's Boston. Yes. Okay, I'm going to play, I'm going to have a little fun here. Because, you know, there's been, there was a guy who actually worked for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. And he tweeted some stuff. That, uh, I guess it was a tweet. Maybe it was a Facebook or something. But he had an opinion when Andy Reid got rid of Brian Dawkins. Okay. He got fired. No, I, I remember that. Now, your restaurant is called Boston's. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to root for the Boston Celtics or the New England Patriots. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. Okay, so you guys can root for whoever you want to. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, I just want to be sure because as you open these franchises, if you get some players involved, hell, they might be rooting for any team, you know, and not, not necessarily Boston. So they wouldn't have, you know, Celtics jerseys or Patriots jerseys hanging up in the restaurant. So. That's- that's exactly right. You know, each each location tailors the, the their uh, restaurant and the sports bar side towards you know local sports memorabilia in that area. So, you know, you, you go in your Tempe location right there. You know, I'm sure you'll have some Cardinals things out there, and um, you know the local sports, the Diamondbacks and whatnot. Uh, you know, you go up to Michigan and you got uh, you know Tigers, uh, Tigers and Red Wings stuff up on the walls, jerseys and posters, and uh, you know so the, the each franchisee can you know really you know target what they want to put inside their uh, sports bar there. Okay, that's great. I tell you what, Coach and I are going to continue to talk to you, yep. man, because uh, who knows? We, we might want to get involved in one of those uh, franchises yes, and indeed. do a show out of there, Coach. We could do a show. Oh, we have a good be, time. That'd be great. But sure, uh, yeah. if you want to hang on with us, we're going to have a break in a couple minutes. But before we have that break, I, I want to throw something out there. You know, just – and I hate to do this, but, but, but I'm going to ask both of you guys' this opinion. There are what we call addicts out there. And most of the time, addicts deals, it deals with drugs. But then they're also they're, – they're gambling – you know, addicts as well. And I got a friend, Art Schleicher. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, but I'm just saying Art must really have a problem. Here it is. He finds himself in trouble again because of a $1 million ticket scam, a theft of about $1 million. I don't know all the details of it, but a 68-year-old woman. Now, now, Coach, you know, a player who's got an off-the-field problem. Mm-hmm. And Art, of course, now is not involved with sports anymore, but he was involved in sports and he had a problem. Can you sometimes see those problems or the tr- that a player is troubled off the field in practice? Is that something that a coach should be able to pick up? Because these are issues Art had from when he was a kid. Sure. They're still haunting him today. Well, I think, you know, early on in his career, that type of thing, it, it, coaches weren't uh, aware, you know, weren't taught to be aware of those type, picking up these signals here and there at that early time doing college or whatever it was in high school. And, and then as the early years in the National Football League, coaches weren't taught to think in those terms, you know. And then we brought in psychologists and different people to, to, uh, to in, into different programs to, uh, to bring about that awareness. Okay. And so I think the awareness is more there now than it was back then. And, and it's sorry to say that, that art is probably too far 
beyond that. You know, yes. he's not he's he's banned. He's from a fifty year old man now. Yes, exactly. And so where well, he's got to get his helpers from within inside. And, and, and it's interesting because it's a ticket scam and it's involving perhaps maybe allegedly Ohio State football tickets and Super Bowl tickets. Now, you got to think that where there's smoke, there's fire, Coach. You and I talked about this a little bit. Now, if, if there's Ohio State tickets involved in this, that means the university is going to have to be pulled into this thing. And, and, and that could be kind of ugly. But listen, it's, it's time for break. I want you guys to hold on. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about that a little bit. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. I need you to hurry up now, because I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now, because I can't wait much longer. Your internet flagship station for sports. America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You already get the general sports headlines and discussion on TV and radio. Tune in to The Blueprint with Randall Gatewood. Yeah, we'll cover all the general big-name stuff, too, but we go beyond the typical sports radio show to bring you the details you don't get anywhere else. We'll talk about the inspirational stories and the little-known successes. If you want creativity, The Blueprint is the place to be. Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, you hear that nice music, so you know you're listening to the nice show. That's because we, we don't act too crazy on this show. We like to have a good time, but we don't act too crazy. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got the coach with me today, Coach Carl Hargrave, of course, who will be starting his show with us here soon on the Voice America Network. And also, we got a special guest with us today, Steve Osler from Boston sports bar and restaurant and uh, again steve welcome back to the show hey steve just before uh we went to break coach and i were talking a little bit about uh you know a fallen hero if you will because arch Leisure was a hero at the ohio state university when i played football and he was a teammate of mine but uh many times you know the local people you know support your restaurants they that your bars they come in they watch games there mm-hmm. and, and so uh a, Obviously, these guys sometimes may find themselves in your restaurants, you know, signing autographs, yeah, making friends. Uh, do, how do you notice fan support happens to be 
when a local guy falls, do, do the do the people kind of kick him to the curb? For an example, Brett Favre got in a little bit of trouble. Michael Vick got in a little bit of trouble. Now Arch Leister finds himself in a little bit of trouble. I'm sure you hear what's going on in the restaurants, the conversations. Do people do fans support the players or are fans, uh, you know, hey, send them straight to hell? No, you know, I think for the most part they do. I think when it comes down to it, in you know, in these in these guys' eyes, you know, they're celebrities. So when they see them, you know, in the restaurant, you know, we're right here in Irving, Texas, and I think. Uh, you know, Tony Romo likes to visit there quite often at our Boston's right here. And, you know, I think the guests respect him, um, you know, might want to say hi if he has a moment. But, um, you know, I think Tony likes to bring a lot of the Cowboys out there and uh, they talk with him out there. And I think it's, you know, it's a good time. People just respect him and give, you know, give them their space. Uh, you know, I was just out at one of our California locations and uh, Marshall Falk happened to be in the restaurant. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, people let him eat, you know, they're with their family, but, uh, you know, I think it comes down to it. It's a celebrity, and, you know, you know, we, you know, we, we love these guys. We love these athletes, and, uh, you know, we, we like to get a chance to talk with them if, you know, if the moment's right. And, Coach, you know, he, what he just said, you know, let's take it back to the brand that they're representing. Mm-hmm. And they're representing whether it's the National Football League or it's the university, the Ohio State University. In this particular case, you know, you and I talked about some earlier. As I said, with the smoke, there's fire. We were talking about Spygate. Now, if this is a ticket scam that were upwards of, a million dollars that somebody lost, and they're Ohio State tickets, mm-hmm. and they're Super Bowl tickets. Now, he, the league has already banned him. The NFL has already banned him for life. The Ohio State University, again, my university, they now are going to be pulled into this, and I don't see how a player could run a scam upwards of a million dollars unless he's got access to tickets. It, could this be something that could tarnish the university? It certainly could, seems like it's going to pull them into the conversation if the federal government's involved. Yeah, I think it's, you know, you hate to have it tarnish the university. You hate to have that put that, you know, because of, your, your, you know, the Ohio State University. I mean, that's big. And so I know uh, I would imagine that uh, Gene Smith and, and athletic directors got to address this issue and, and as all the way up to the top. And, and you hate to see it. But, uh, you know, a million dollars worth of tickets is a million dollars worth of tickets. Yes. I mean, I, mean, I don't care if it's Super Bowl. I don't care what it is. You know, again, uh, those are kind of tickets that they always exceed face value. Oh, sure. So there, there's a, a, a somebody who's going to profit from it. And they've obviously, in this case, allegedly, he's profited from it from an illegal way. And, right. and, and Art, I believe, was on probation. Uh, and and he was in federal court, so it doesn't look real good. I'm a I'm a pray for him. He's still, right. you know, one thing about it, uh, and, I, and I think uh, that it certainly was alluded to uh, by uh, by Steve in terms of what fans, certainly teammates come and rally around you. But but this is news, so so we have to talk about it a little bit. So I, I just pray that that Art gets help because I, I certainly think that he needs some help. So let, let let's let's stay in that room about you know government, sure. Because but it, as it appears that the NFL has filed a suit against the NFLPA for unfair labor practice, you know, and, and not fairly negotiating and coming to the table. But, you know, from, from a coach's perspective, and you and I talked about this a little bit before, Coach, you know, your job is to coach. Right. And, and you're hoping that you, that you can coach. But at the same time, there, there are people out there like Sean Payton, I'm going to throw mm-hmm. that name out there, mm-hmm. who, uh, and again, it, it, it is what it is, who was not a National Football League player, but became a National Football League player, identified as a scab, who crossed the picket lines. And, and now this man is a head coach. And his players, of which I'm sure he has some allegiance to, but he has a boss. Mm-hmm. And as the owner of, of the New Orleans Saints, 
Sean Payton, what, what side of the fence do you think he finds <laughs> himself on in this discussion? You know, because it, 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 everything is being, you know, identified with the last strike of 1987. Right. That's where he crossed that picket line. Yeah. That's where he got his chance to play a couple games in a uniform. But now, when he stands there in front of his players, you know, and he says, okay, we're in this thing together, and they're union members. You really think they're going to give him that kind of respect that he deserved, that he thinks he deserves now, because that's, that was something I did in my past. But your past lives with you. Oh, sure. I think, uh, first of all, I, I, you know, Sean Payton says that we're in this thing together. I, I, I think as a coach, he's talking about on the field, uh, because he's not getting paid by the players. He's getting paid by the management, and that's a very fine line that you have to walk. And uh, I don't know. You know, I can't speak for Sean or what, what direction, which way he's going to lean, but I know this. If you're getting paid today from somewhere, your allegiance is where that paycheck there you go. comes from. There you go, Coach. And, uh, and I believe that, and, and uh, that's unfortunate because coaches in this situation are caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they, they can't lean either way, and they're just hoping that the thing is resolved so that half of their paycheck doesn't get taken away but as this, a coach. But this is, this is business. <laughs> it and, is and, business. And, and, and we certainly understand this is big boy business, and that's why I'm going to do the best I can to bring another big boy back into the conversation. And, Steve, i got to say this to you. Mm-hmm. You know, Boston being out there, sports bar and restaurant. See, I think some people don't – well, a lot of people do because they've lived it before. Some of the fans that were around in 1987, and they remember – Remember what happened when there was a work stoppage and how it affected some businesses. If you're a sports bar and restaurant, I know you sure as hell want to make sure there's football being played. Am I correct? Without a doubt, of course. <laughs> and so, so, so it's so this this strike, if you no know, a lockout, right? Would could damage your your business? I mean, you don't have to throw numbers out there, but I would imagine that on on game day, your restaurant's pretty full. Am I right? You can elaborate on that too. Yeah, definitely. Sundays, you know, we know we have the Sunday ticket, and the TVs are all rolling, all the different games on, and you know, Sundays are a very busy day. You know, people love to come out there, sit outside, watch the games, sit inside, and the sports bars. I mean, the whole restaurant's packed on Sunday, and it, it would be a real shame to not see. Uh, not see Sundays, you know, how they're supposed to be in the fall. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the experience for everybody in, in watching a National Football League game, there's a different experience. When you're at the stadium, there's an experience. When you're at home, there's an experience. And when you're at a sports bar, there's another experience. <laughs> and believe it or not, guys, I have a, a, a 16-year-old daughter. And, and her and I go out to sports bars and watch football games together because I can't watch a game with my wife in the house. I just can't <laughs> because she just doesn't understand. When she gets to screaming and hollering at some of my boys, <laughs> I, I take it personal because I'm thinking, okay, when you were sitting up in the stands and I was out there playing mm-hmm. <laughs> and I made a mistake, what did you say? <laughs> you know? And so I kind of give it to her. But I, I certainly – Wanted to make sure that you got a chance to, to come on with us today, Steve, and, and to share a couple different perspectives. And I appreciate uh, you sharing that perspective, for one, about the opportunities. And I'm going to let you say something else before you leave on that. But also just what this strike might do for, for people out there who corporations that, that look to the National Football League to help support their business. But let, so, but let me ask you one thing. The restaurant would do well and does well mm-hmm. when the people come in. And they're, and they're watching the games there. But I want to look at it from another perspective. If you could share this, there are some employees that perhaps maybe if there's no football games, mm-hmm. you might not have the same demand for, ser- I mean, for serviceable employees. So you're going to have less employees because I'm sure you've got you know, you to hire more for game day. If there are no more you know, game days, 
then you don't need as many staff people. Am I correct? Well, yeah, that'd be right. You'd have to cut back on staffing for that day and, you know, adjust to, uh, you know, adjust to your uh, level of business and what you're doing there. Definitely. And so, see, that's that trickle down effect. People think it's just the players and the owners, Mm -hmm. but there are people who will lose jobs, will lose revenue, you know, who won't, you know, perhaps maybe a student who's trying to pay for their education, you know, uh, somebody who's just trying to supplement their income, you know, and, and maybe even at, at, at the managerial side, where well, this is full-time, but maybe we need to just cut back, you know. So those are some of the effects that, that it has that, that people don't realize. But, again, Steve, uh, talk to us a little bit again about, uh, about Boston uh, Sports Bar and Restaurant and about uh, those who are interested in franchise opportunities, not just players, but the average person that might be interested in franchise opportunities. You guys can continue to expand your market. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, Boston's Restaurant and Sports Bar, our website is uh, bostons.com. I would definitely encourage the listeners to go out there and uh, check us out. But, uh, you know, we've been around for over 45 years, and uh, we're currently the number one casual dining chain up in Canada with over uh, 345 locations up there. And then uh, we moved down here to the States about 10 years ago, and we're scattered uh, kind of throughout the States, uh, coast to coast and north and south. And, um, you know, it's uh, an exciting concept. You've got two concepts really under one roof with the restaurant on the one side and then that sports bar on the other. And then, um, you know, we have prime uh, markets uh, available in, uh, you know, different territories. So uh, it's a good opportunity for uh, folks to uh, get involved in franchising in the U.S. and Mexico. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a good building, a uh, good-sized building, and a uh, fun concept, great food. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's one of the things we pride ourselves on is uh, the food quality there. And uh, the, uh, the guests know that when they come in each time. So, uh, you know, it's a great, uh, great opportunity for uh, some folks to get involved with in franchising. You know, you don't have to uh, commit to, uh, you know, multi-unit uh, agreements. You know, you can come in and do your first store and, you know, do a good job, and then uh, we can always uh, sign up for more. So um, I would uh, definitely uh, encourage the folks to go uh, check out our website, and uh, we have our contact info on there, and uh, we'd love to uh, talk with some folks. Okay, Steve, listen, I, I greatly appreciated meeting you down there in Dallas at the Super Bowl, and, and hopefully uh, next year when the Super Bowl is uh, in Indianapolis, you'll be back at the Player Network event. But I can tell you this. I've been there. Before I met this man, I can tell you, a great pizza. you got to go there and get a great pizza. <laughs> That's so, right, Ray. Uh, hey, Steve, I'll be in touch, and uh, perhaps maybe uh, we'll see you here in Arizona sometime soon. You bet, Ray. Thanks again. Okay, have a good one. You t- take care. All right. Hey, well, I hear a little music in my, uh, in my ear, so we're going to take a break, and then me and you, Coach, we're going to talk about some some football, some some basketball, <laughs> some some baseball. There We're going to talk about everything. We'll have a good time. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living <clears> like it matters. Got the coach with me, Coach Carl Hargrave. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Get ready for a show that's going to take it to the next level of sports talk. Get ready for Sean Salisbury, unfiltered. He's got 12 years of broadcast experience as an analyst for ESPN Sports Center and NFL Live. And he has 10 years experience as a player with the Seahawks, Colts, Vikings, and Chargers, as well as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the CFL. You'll hear the truth and not the sidelines. Sean Salisbury, unfiltered. Is not for the faint of heart. Tune in every weekday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Coast to Coast Mixtage.com. America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Got the coach with me, Coach Carl Hargrave, and um, also had my friend with me who's, who's gone now, Steve Osler from Boston uh, Restaurant, Boston Sports Bar and Restaurant, and um, really pleased to have him on board with us. But uh, right now, Coach, you and I are going to get back to talk about a couple things. Uh, there's a chance we may have a special guest, and we're not going to say anything because sometimes in, when, when you work in the business that we've worked in, uh, you get busy, and uh, we don't want to throw them under the bus, but uh, may have a, a special guest caller with us. But, uh, Coach, you know, there's a couple things that's going on right now with this player strike, you know, and one thing that we're not aware of that could happen or could not happen is there could be some adjustments as to, um, you know, how you secure the players that are on your team, particularly those that you see that have some value, but for some reason you don't want to enter into a long-term deal with them, so you do what you call uh, franchise. And, and, and there were a couple people today that were uh, uh, out there that I'm aware of. may have happened as early as yesterday, but certainly the Philadelphia Eagles put that franchise tag on Michael Vick, and, and then they put that transition tag on David Akers. David Akers, who possibly, well, there's not too many kickers. I think Jan Stenrude is in the Hall of Fame, but not too many kickers. He may be the only one that's in the Hall of Fame. But, but David Akers has some great, great numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if, if he would have made a field goal early in that uh, playoff game, then maybe the Eagles had a different approach and, you know, they might have been the Super Bowl. We're going to let that go. But anyway, <laughs> let me just say that um, during your time in the league, of course, the franchise tag was there as well. Right, right. And, and, and so give us some insight. The fans don't really understand what's the reasoning behind you know, the franchise tag. You know, if you got a player that you think that he's worth a franchise tag, isn't he worth a long-term deal? I mean, what's the psychology of taking the approach of let's do the franchise tag and the transition tags as opposed to doing long-term deals? Give us some well, insight the, on that. When you think about the franchise tag, that that is a short-term, this will help me keep 
my team together. This will help me to keep. Uh, uh, matter of fact, uh, the Colts did. Uh, they franchised uh, Peyton Manning. But that but until they can get the deal done. But that's one year. That's a one year deal, and they know they're going. They're, that gives them time within that year to to talk and structure the the long term. And that's the same thing with Michael Vick. I'm sure. I mean, but how much time do you need? You had a whole okay, so maybe they wanted to see Mike play this year. Right. Once you saw the season ended, regardless of how deep he went into the playoff, and you saw the way Mike was progressing as the season progressed, mm-hmm. you should have been negotiating. The contracts have been. I remember Dick Vermeil used to rip up players' contracts during the season, during the middle of the season, give you a little ball. It wasn't no more. To, he'd up you to maybe ten or fifteen thousand dollars. It wasn't like he's giving you the house. But a deal can be done at any time. Well, it can be, but then it's also with the salary caps, with the caps that each team is allowed to spend, what I like to call spending caps. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> then uh, they don't want to jump into a long-term deal and then cut themselves down the road somewhere else. So what they ideally like to try to do is put a pay, uh, 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 Michael Vick in a situation where I can hold him for a year, we can work on the contract, meanwhile I can sign uh, these other guys. And, I, and I'm agreeing with that, Coach, but that GM's job, a lot of times the coaches have, have they, they want to be ahead of football operations, but they don't necessarily want that GM tag because that GM deals with too much other stuff. But they want to be in charge of all the football stuff. Sure. Okay, so... If that's the case, that GM basically, you know, he, he's a cap specialist. He, he should be a cap specialist. And there's a, there's a few of them out there, not a whole lot of them, but certainly in Philadelphia, they got one, and, and, and they're GM. So I, I just don't really understand why you can't go ahead and get it figured out. And, and, and Because guys don't like the franchise tag. The players don't like that franchise tag. Because, you know, they're approaching free agency, opportunity to go out to the free market to get their, their market value. Uh, but at the same time, this team wants to hold on to you, but they haven't really said that we want to you know, lock you into long term. And see, when you get the franchise, what happens is the franchise, if you go into the free agency market or you, if you up the new deal, you're going to get some signing bonus money, a lot of signing bonus money. That When you get that franchise tag, that money's guaranteed, whatever right. that franchise tag is, but it's not going to exceed what you would have got if you got a new deal. No, but there, it, a lot of them are pretty close to that. What that signing bonus would be, uh, and I'm sure, and I haven't looked at the numbers on Michael Vick and or uh, Peyton Manning, but I'm sure that the Colts didn't want to lose a Peyton Manning. Number one, you didn't want to lose his uh, physical ability, and you didn't want to lose his mental makeup for the for the uh, keeping the whole team together. So I'm sure that that money that he received was was pretty good. And I know, and if I'm correct, uh, a year ago, uh, Peyton Manning restructured his contract so that they could sign some other guys. So I think, you know, I'm not going to say they're not playing fair, they're playing hardball, but I think in that case, I would think that they're playing fair. Now, uh, you know, we talked about Sean Payton a little bit earlier. Coach, let, let me ask you, so you can explain to everybody out here in terms of those who, who do not understand. Um, how involved, if at all, are the coaches in, in this process of collecting bargaining agreements? Do they sit down with the coaches? Because, again, if there's a work stoppage, can coaches expect to continue to get paid? Uh, can coaches still have the, the, the insurance? Because uh, the coaches don't have a union. 
Right. And, and, and the coaches don't really have a coaches association. We've and I know that's something. There's, a, there's yeah, association, there association. But the association doesn't. Is it representing you at the bargaining table? It's not. Not at all. And it's uh, their work. As a matter of fact, they, they, two years ago, we were trying to put, or maybe two, three years ago, they were trying to put deals together to work with when Gene Upshaw was there, work through the players union. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have the coaches association working through there. So uh, when you start looking at the, the hierarchy, it's the, it's the owners, it's the players. It's the players, it's the owners. It's the players, it's the owners. <laughs> it's the oh, these coaches down here. Yes, yes. <laughs> and the coaches are last on that on that uh on, on the feeding chain. Now they may now you say <clears throat> that, coach, but 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 the reality of it is, and, and, and we can say this very honestly, that they're, they're, the head coaches in particular are very well paid nowadays in the National Football League. And we know that in terms of the multimillionaires, you know, not everybody on that field is making those numbers that are thrown out. You know, you got some right. guys, the minimum that somebody's making is $325,000 this year. Yeah. So they're not starving. But, again, based upon lifestyle and all that stuff and, and the way they're managing their money, we know that there could be some catastrophes at the end. But the, let's, let's talk about the coaches' salaries. Have coaches' salaries improved at the rate that some of the other? Certainly the head coaches have, but what about the rest of the staff? Well, I think it is now. It, it's, it's starting to really be competitive. Uh, the head coaches make really good money. Uh, you know, the older head coaches were making pretty good money. But now those guys aren't there, and so it's a younger group now, so they can pay the guys, the younger guys in there now, they can pay them less money. Okay. Well, why, okay, now wait a second. Now, you, you say they can pay them less money. Right. But it appears to me that when, when the new guys are getting their contract, they're not getting less money. They're, they're getting real nice deals. Well, they're getting nice deals, but at one point in time, there was the Shanahan's making the $4, four million a year. I think uh, Billick, Brian Billick was up there at that point, $4 million a year. Tony Junji up in that area. Those guys aren't there. Shanahan came back. But now that they're hiring the younger coaches, even the Sean Payton when he first came in, uh, you know, at $2 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Hunt when he was here, he got $2 million off the bat. Uh, now that's good money. Don't get right. me wrong, right. but it's not in that four, five, and six million dollar range. Now, that now the cowers now, and you know those right. guys. Are now, you, now you say that, and you know uh, when when players look at things, players look at things from from a different perspective. Uh, let's look at the the the, uh, the coaches and their salaries. Are coaches' salaries guaranteed? Well, we sign a, the coaches sign a contract, and they pay those contracts out. And so it's you know you can say it's guaranteed, but uh, the head coaches they can be bought out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they'll get a portion of that. It depends on how much years they have left. They can get a portion of that contract, or they can get it all. It depends. See, and players, so, so players, we would like that kind of stuff. You've been a player before, because you know that because in the league, your last play is your last dollar. <laughs> you know, they're in, they're, they're, your signing bonus, that was, that was your guarantee, man, and we cut right. that. But everything else is prorated over that 16-game season. Right. And you get a little extra bonus money for making it into the playoffs. But we would like that if they want to honor the, the, the length of the contract. You know how that is. We certainly would like that. But that, that's just some of the business. And, again, th- those are things of which people just don't understand. Right. Let me ask you about health insurance. What kind of health insurance do the, the coaches have? Well, uh, once you know, we got pretty good health insurance. But once you're out of it, you don't have health insurance. You've got to get your own. So okay. So okay, what about so in terms of pension investing? Can coaches do that? Coaches do have. We had a nice pension. 
uh, I think the coach, coaches, you know, uh, vested at at, uh, at five, fully vested at five. And five then, seasons. And five seasons. Okay. Uh, uh, fully vested. And then you get, you know, it's it increments as you go up. Okay. A number of years. So the pension, I think the pension is good. Uh, obviously, there's some flaws in it, as is everyone would think wherever they're at. There's mm-hmm. flaws in it, but it's 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 pretty good. Well, I I truly think. Listen, you know, there are the coaches, there are the players, and 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 as players, we always say that you know when we say us, we're talking about who's in that locker room, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. locker room is the players, the coaches, mm-hmm. and and the medical staff. Sometimes, right. <laughs> you right, know, are right. part of that. You know, uh, but but that's 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 us. And, and us wants to uh, find a way to make things work for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. So that us, when you, you know, the players, you know, what this thing I've been talking about, what about us? You know, and I say us, a lot of times I'm, I'm talking about retired players. Uh, but, but retired players were current players years ago. We're trying to make things better for everybody, take mm-hmm. everybody into consideration. And so I'm going to throw this out here now. I'm going to throw it out there now that, you know, they need to start looking at all the coaches, not mm-hmm. just the head coaches, but all the coaches. And things need to get better for all the coaches because there, there's a fraternity of players who become coaches. You right. know, and there's, there's, a, there's some guys who played and some guys who didn't. And I've heard mm-hmm. this, and I'm going to ask you, Coach, is, is, is there kind of a, a, a line in the sand with guys who played in the league and guys who didn't in terms of amongst the coaching ranks? No, no. I, I think, uh, you know, it, coaches are looked – Upon each other, within each other, within the coaching fraternity, it doesn't matter whether you played or you didn't play in the league. You come in and you work to play, work to coach, and be the best coach that you can be. You know, we had uh, who, who just signed? Did we just said Rod Rod Woodson. Rod Rod, Rod. come, come Rod from behind Woodson. the booth. That's right. And Rod is right back on the Hall of Famer though. <laughs> exactly, exactly. One of now, the greatest corners I've ever <clears throat> seen in my life. Ooh, big boy, and then big, then became a safety. Could run. But go ahead, you're could right. Go run. ahead. Mm-hmm. And so he's coaching now. I don't, you know, I, I've met Rod over the years and we've talked, but uh, not not extensively. So I'm not sure exactly. What what type of coach he's going to be? Okay, has he coached? You know, coaching is a learning process too, and it's about communication, it's about knowledge, and it's about being able to teach that knowledge. And, and I think you, you said something, and you said something. I think that's a very mm-hmm. important. And and you said it's about teach and it's about communication. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of times, particularly that communication, there's 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 a gap of generational, and at times. It could be frustrating to coaches because there's a different athlete that that are on these football teams now, and sometimes you know that generation gap is is kind of difficult. So the communication is very difficult for some of the so some of the you know veteran coaches. But we got music. We got to take a break. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk a little bit about that that teaching and that communication sure. and and the good ones and the bad ones. But you got to make it work. Hey, we listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got coach with me, Coach Carl Hargrave. We've been having a good time. We're gonna finish the show. I want you to come back with us. We got at least one more segment. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports 
every Monday. Tune in after the weekend games for Locker Room Views with Arturo Freeman. It's a sports show that'll keep you talking. We'll go inside the minds and lives of world-class athletes and hear about their views, opinions, and life experiences about the world of sports. Your host, former NFL great Arturo Freeman, will present an action-packed hour every single week. Arturo Freeman, Locker Room Views is live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get the inside scoop on the Georgia Bulldogs. Tune in to Keelan Johnson on College Football Game Day on the radio and every day on KeelanJohnson.com. On Keelan's Keeping It Real Radio, you can talk to Keelan and his former teammates about the Bulldogs, college football, and all things sports. Keelan's the go-to analyst for Bulldog football on pre- and post-game television on KeelanJohnson.com. And now, every week on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in every college game day for Keelan Johnson, Keeping It Real Radio. Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. Hear that music. Listen to Railroad Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like a man. I've got the coach with me, Coach Carl Hargrave, and we were talking about one of the greatest of all time. We just started to talk about Rod Woodson. But, we, Coach, you started off by talking about a couple of intangibles of which a person has to have to be a very good football coach because great players don't always make great coaches but you got you said you got to be a teacher and you got to be a great communicator and and I've seen this at times where coaches have been somewhat frustrated because of the generational gap mm-hmm. there's even parents that you know don't understand these young kids nowadays and that's what we're dealing with we're dealing with young spoiled I'll never forget one time I sat down with Robert Kiyosaki you know, rich dad, poor sure, dad, sure. and was talking to him about perhaps maybe coming to the table to work with young multimillionaires mm-hmm. and help them, you know, maintain and sustain uh, their, the money that they had, you mm-hmm. know, to, to, to turn, uh, to become rich and become wealthy. Okay. And he said, it's going to be hard to tell young I don't know what he called them, but millionaires, okay? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a real pleasant thing. He just thought it was going to be so frustrating. Yeah. And so as a coach, you're a Hall of Famer. Rod Woodson being a Hall of Famer, it's, it's, it's almost like he's going to have to sit down there. He's not going to have to dumb you down. No. But he's going to have to be able to teach and communicate with somebody. I'm hoping that he's a great communicator sure. and teacher because I don't want to reflect on the person that Rod Woodson is as an athlete, I think as a man, certainly as a Pro Football Hall of Famer. What do you think might be his, his, his greatest challenge in terms of, is he going to have time to be a communicator? Because a communicator talks. Sure. You know, is he going to have that time to, to really invest in players, to, to, to communicate and teach them? Well, I think the first thing, you know, teaching is the essence of coaching. Be a good coach, a great coach. You've got to be able to teach. And the number one thing that, you know, and I picked this up with Dennis Green and uh, Hayden Fry, a number of the coaches that I've been fortunate enough to be around is not so much what they want, I want those players to understand what I'm saying. <laughs> mm, okay. Not what they're saying. I'm not. I'm going to get that. What they're saying, but I want them to understand the importance of what I'm saying mm. and how I communicate that back to them. And that's you as a position coach. As a position coach. Okay. I, I know what the head coach is saying. Right. 
But what's really important is that you understand, as a position coach, what I'm what saying. What I'm saying. And it's not about my ego as a coach. But I want them to understand that as a player that, hey, this guy's going to teach me something I can learn. Mm. He's not going to teach me something I can't learn. Well, you know, it's interesting <laughs> that because I, 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 on my show last week, I, I mentioned that I looked at uh, Aaron Rodgers. I saw some footage of Aaron Rodgers when he was in college at Cal as a senior. Mm-hmm. And I looked at his throwing motion, motion. And when you look at Aaron Rodgers today, okay. that is not the same Aaron Rodgers that is throwing the football that was throwing the football back then. Somebody taught him right. a different way to hold that ball, to deliver that ball, to release that ball, all those things. Somebody taught that. So they, sure. they were able to communicate their message of how you can become a pro. Sure. And so you got some guys that are going to come into the National Football League that may be great athletes, but you've got to teach them how to become a pro. A pro. That's the key word right there. And, that, and players have to teach each other how to become a pro. And then the coaches are responsible to teach their particular players on what they want and how to become or how to work like a pro. Because there's there's certainly a difference, and and I, I'm sure they understand. Because that's why some guys, and I've had a couple guys even in the studio that have left their universities and have come out to Arizona to start training, mm-hmm. which is part of the process of becoming a pro. You train differently. As a pro, you prepare for a game differently as a pro. You prepare for this draft differently sure. <laughs> and the combine as a pro. So th- there is a difference. And, and so let me ask you something then. And, and, and you, you mentioned that, that coaching fraternity. Um, they have developmental squads. Is, right. is a developmental squad give you a little extra time with a player that perhaps maybe needs a little extra uh, teaching uh, communicating. What is the, is that developmental squad? Is it really there for the purpose of developing pros, or or is that just a way to get some extra bodies on the practice well, field? I think it's a little bit of both, and I don't mean to sound <laughs> right defense, but number one, get some good quality guys on the practice field, but also those guys are guys that we feel that have potential to be on the squad, because you'll see late in the season. Well, we brought this guy up from the practice squad. Because we got another guy hurt. He knows our system. We've got faith in him. He's learned from a particular coach, from a particular player, on how to be a professional Mm. and how to be the best that he can be where he's at. Now, Coach, you've coached at all levels. Mm -hmm. You know, you've played the game. Let me ask you something. When when you look at the difference and you were trying to give some advice to a young man who's out there, perhaps maybe uh, maybe on the borderline of being drafted, maybe not being drafted, when they come into pro football, what would you say is – Without a doubt, one thing that they'll be able to realize that's much different in pro football than college football. I don't care how good you are. What is it going to be? What is it a requirement to, to, to work out more? Is it the intensity of the practice? Is it the intensity of, of, of uh, uh, in a classroom? What is it that is, without a doubt, this is, this is the difference that separates pro athletes from, from college athletes? I think it's the big thing is in the classroom. You've got to study the game. You learn to study the person that you're playing against, number one. You learn to study study the scheme that that defense or the offense is presenting, and then you learn to study the whole game. And so once you get that part of it down, that's what made Kurt Warner such a great quarterback. He came in the game, learned how to study. 
okay, and then never get outworked. Mm. <laughs> now, you know, it, it's so interesting you say that because many times you hear these guys broadcasting games, you hear people talking about uh, their, their own personal perspective as to, uh, man, he didn't even read the defense. <laughs> Coach, talk to him from, from an offensive perspective because you're running backs. They got to read, blitz. They, you know, they got to talk to them about really when they say read, what do they really mean and what are you really looking for at different times from maybe a running back position and maybe even a quarterback position, but whatever one of those two positions you want to share, just give people some insight of what reading a defense really means. Well, from a uh, quarterback's viewpoint, he's got to understand and see what the defensive structure is. Okay, is it? A, are they lined up? Are they playing zone? Are they playing two deep zone? Are they playing single safety zone? Are they playing man to man? So, and all of that happens in a pre-read structure uh, prior to the ball. And we say pre-read structure. We're talking about your pre-read uh, prior to the ball being snapped. And that's why you'll see those guys in the shotgun. Peyton Manning's patting that foot, and he's looking around, waiting to see if they change anything. He has in his mind what they're showing, but now he also has in his mind what they, if one guy's leaning one way, they could be rotating that particular way. So it's a that's what they mean when they talk about uh, are they reading the defense? Well. I'm glad you said that because that leads me right into, uh, I guess, our closing remarks. There's a couple guys out there, Arizona Cardinals, probably going to be looking for another quarterback next year. I, I don't know if, if Derek Anderson is going to be back here. You know, uh, you know, Donovan McNabb is, is out there. Uh, Kevin Cobb is out there. Uh, here in Arizona, do you think it's going to be a quarterback change? And those guys that you know that's on the market, who do you think might find their way here to Arizona? Well, I know that. Or somebody in the draft. <laughs> if they don't make a quarterback change, oh, it's going to get ugly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, it, it, it can't get much uglier than it was last year. It, it was pretty ugly last year after, after again, again, a Hall of Famer. And, right. and I believe, you know, Aaron Rodgers handled things quite well because, again, that, that – Elephant in the room was a Hall of Famer, which was Brett Favre, which was, you know, when you replace something and you put something in that place, people are going to be, you know, accustomed to what was there before. Right. And what was there before was pretty damn good. And right. even though it only won one Super Bowl for them, it was pretty damn good. Yeah. And I think they, they've got their money's worth now. And what happens when you win Super Bowls when you're young is people expect you to win more than one. See, that, that's the one thing about it. When the guys win it when they're older – then, okay, I can, I can go out. Like, Kurt went out on a high note. Right. But if you win it when you're younger, it's always going to be the pressure on you to win another one. Well, on the other side of it, uh, you know, the teams that are going back to the Super Bowls, the, whether it was uh, uh, um, Pittsburgh, whether it was the Patriots, now uh, uh, the Green Bay's had three of them. They've won four, two, one. They two. Four. They've run four. Mm-hmm. So, but what they find is they go, and you got an opportunity to go back again because you're not releasing everybody on your team. You're not losing everyone. You're building that infrastructure of success down the road. The Cardinals had an infrastructure when Danny Green brought these players in here, and then he got let go early, and then, you know, he dressed the table up and didn't get to eat at it. And then <laughs> kind like of like Tony Dungeon. Tony, <laughs> and yeah. then all of a sudden they got rid of all these guys, so now they're scrambling, trying to find a quarterback, trying to find a, another receiver, trying to find a linebacker, trying to find a defensive end. Uh, you know, they now they're just fishing for anything and everything. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I certainly hope, you know, they, they got rid of a lot of good football players here in Arizona, you know, and, and those guys are playing other places and doing quite well. And that happens to a lot of guys. When you leave a team that you 
thought really was committed to you, you found out that they weren't. You go someplace else, you got a chip on your shoulder, and you play better football, and you help those teams. I tell you what, Coach, you helped me today. It was a great show. I certainly appreciate <laughs> Thank it. You. And uh, we got that music, so we got to go. Uh, listen, I tell you what, tune back in next week. We're going to have uh, my man, R. Cal True Luck, is going to, inside the trenches, is going to sit in for me. And uh, R. Cal is going to have a show with us soon, too. And Coach, the coach, Carl Hargrave, will be having his show here on Voice America Sports as well real soon so i'll tell you what i want to thank of course uh boston's restaurant i'm sorry sports bar and restaurant steve osler for joining us you've been listening to rail sports on the voice american network i'm in phoenix living like it matters and i'll see you next time which will be the best time Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.